This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 550 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Total Saddle Fit, and Surefoot Equine Stability Program. On today's USDF episode, we are going to do a trainer's conference wrap-up with participants Megan Davis and Emily Donaldson. After that, we'll have a discussion with Wendy Murdoch about some training aids that she has developed, and then we'll bring you a tip that we learned from the conference. Reese Coppler Sandfield from Loxahatchee, Florida. And this is Philip Parks back to Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. Hi, Reese. I, I literally just saw you yesterday. So hi again, Phil. <laughs> I was I was just uh, thinking about what what a whirlwind week I had last week, you know, <laughs> flying out on Saturday, doing the trainers conference, flying back in on Wednesday actually flew in and then taught some lessons in the evening. So that was a little tricky. <laughs> He's saying that, everybody. And I was the hostess with the mostess. No, <laughs> it was great. Actually, we had a really, really, really fun time. Trainers Conference is always a super busy week down here. So on Sunday, Phil, Phil came in on Saturday. We saw some friends. And then Sunday, we worked some horses. Phil, really, we had a really awesome time. It was a beautiful day, and it was just kind of chill here at the farm, and it was really fun. Phil really didn't – it just gave some fantastic lessons to me and my students. So that was super fun, and uh, again, we saw some friends, and then we had the conference Monday and Tuesday, and Tuesday night, we went to the Helga Strand presentation of sales horses, and Wednesday morning – I will assure you, Phil was not hit by a falling iguana, but it was very cold here for Florida. <laughs> even Phil. I wish I brought like brought my hat, my my toque, and my my <laughs> my mittens and everything from Canada, but I didn't have it. And then so I was like, "It's too cold. I'm going home." Yeah, he, where yeah, I, can, he, he, where he I know like, how to dress here, appropriately. What's that? <laughs> no, you were like, "It's cold. I'm going inside." I was like, "Thanks. I'm freezing my tail out here." It was actually <laughs> quite cold. And Richard Malgram came and did some long lining here while you were here. So it was. It's just been so busy. I'm not gonna lie. It's Thursday night, and after we finish the show here, I'm I'm already in my pajamas. <laughs> I'm going to bed. So it's been a lot of fun, though. A lot of a busy week down here in Florida, which has been great. Yeah, and and the trainers conference was awesome. W- was learning so much and just. Really, really enjoyed, you know, listening to the lessons and and watching the different different trainers do the lessons. So, you know, we've had some some really really good discussions about, about you know all these things. It's really a learning a learning week. It really was. It was a learning week for sure. It was great. So we actually have quite a long show. So we're going to get going, but we wanted to just, uh, kind of do a wrap up of the trainers conference. And so that happened here Monday Tuesday. And that was with um, four amazing clinicians, Ann Gribbins, Gary Rockwell, Lars Peterson, and Ashley Holzer. So we're going to have a quick commercial break from USDF, and we're going to come back with Emily Craig Donaldson to talk about her experience at this symposium. Founded in 1973, the United States Dressage Federation has become the largest organization to represent a single Olympic equestrian discipline. At nearly 30,000 members strong, 
USDF is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org to learn more about USDF education, competition and award programs, and to shop our online store. Again, that's usdf.org, your online destination for dressage. Well, tonight we are so happy to have Emily Craig Donaldson on the show. She is an FEI rider and trainer and was a participant in the 2020 USDF Trainers Conference here in Loxahatchee, Florida. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Your horse is such a beautiful boy, and it was so fun to see you ride. Phil and I were were cheering everybody on. It was lots of fun. So tell us a little bit about your takeaway from the Trainers Conference this year. So I was excited going into it because I trained with Lars Peterson, and he was one of the four panelists for the conference. And um, so I was excited mostly because I, I obviously feel very comfortable around him. And I thought, well, if I'm going to ride in front of hundreds of people, that is an advantage to being, if I end up getting paired with him, to at least having a relationship. Unfortunately, my horse was um, pretty anxious. I was nervous. I usually don't get nervous. I don't know what was wrong with me, but I was well, like really 500 nervous. people were around. <laughs> like I'm just gonna go with that. Like, <laughs> it wasn't like there were just Phil and I there. Like there was four <laughs> yeah. clinicians. Yeah. Like I don't know how many people, but there were a lot of people. And then yeah. that ring, everyone's right. super close to the they're ring, right so they're there. right there. Yeah. So I was a little anxious, and that didn't help. And so the first day. First day, to be honest, going into it, I I never really had a clear, and I've never done this before, is I, I didn't really know what the plan was. And so I was a little out of sorts about how the session was going to work. And I felt like, unfortunately, in the first session, sort of, it was, it was a little vague. And I think my horse didn't really help the situation. So left it feeling uh, disappointed and frustrated, um, mostly with myself. And so going into the second day, I felt uh, more confident, more relaxed. And Horace was tense, unfortunately. But Anne Gribbons basically took charge. And I thought she did a really good job kind of letting me voice the fact that I know my horse. And, um, and I was able to at least have, uh, we were able to have interaction and a dialogue. And I felt like she respected me, which was great. Um, but she also gave me a lot of really good advice. And she zeroed in on his strengths and weaknesses immediately. So it was good, basically, with Anne. She focused the whole session with me, um, and there was obviously feedback from the other um, panelists, but um, really basic, and that's what I liked. I liked about I liked about it. Obviously, I think when you go in front of that many people, you want to show off, and you want to be like, look at what I can do, but that's not always constructive. And you don't always learn from that. So I definitely feel like hopefully we gave the audience examples of how to work through tension and, and the fact like he's the type of horse, he's big, he tends to run through the half halts. Because I think she gave, the second day she gave a lot of good takeaways. So I was really pleased with that. My posture is my kryptonite, you know, my upper body and my eyes. When I get nervous, I look down. And I, those, you know, everyone said like, look up. And I thought, okay, like, <laughs> I just don't <laughs> right now. I'm just going to keep looking at the dude. So, but you know, it's all, it's all stuff. Like everyone has something, you know, most people do. Yeah. So it was good. It, it was good. And, and like you said, it was good that they were taking some, some rider feedback and, you know, it's really difficult to go into 
a session with even just one coach that that doesn't know your horse and and there you had like three and you know they they have their own ideas about what to do or 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 you know how to how to make make the experience a good one but i think if you don't get any rider feedback in the beginning or, or you know or allow the rider to say a little bit then the session can be limited because you know the riders also have worked through different problems on their own a little bit they know their horse and they i think they need to ask you know what what do you want to get out of it what do you want to work on do you think that you need to i, I remember specifically for you like do, do you feel like you need to canter right now and you're like right. yeah i really do right and, you know yeah. rather than you know just <laughs> telling you what to do and 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 just telling you how to fix your problem i think you've got to you've got to go into it with with the the coach and the rider you know in discussion the whole time and, and you know what does right. that feel like or how does you know is that better and whatever and and just through that you can tell that you know you were absolutely right he needed to canter and and he needed to work out his own his stress in a way that you've already worked out you know with him like what's best in this moment and and you know that was, i think that was just a good a mark of a good coach or you know like they can't always just be in charge and telling you what to do right because they think they know I mean, you, yeah, you, you've already sure. got hours and hours and hours on that horse that, that you right. sort of probably experimented with the different approaches to when, when he does get very tense but also as you were as as you were going around she didn't just let you do whatever you wanted she was like okay right. if we're going to canter you've got to do this 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 and this and, and so it's right. sort of like allowing you to do a little bit of what you want but not completely just letting you go out on your own and i think that's that's a great uh, experience of, of working with someone instead of somebody working sort of at you or just talking at you. Right. Cause I've had instances, I, I had an, um, an experience last year that hit home for me in the, and where I was working with a, a prominent, uh, very highly respected person. And, and the session I felt was going on really long and I should have spoken up and said, Hey, I think the horse needs a walk break or I think he's done. And I didn't because I was afraid to the next day, the horse didn't feel so great. And I was, I learned my lesson and, and I think it's hard in situations like that. And I know there's a fine line. Like I know when I teach and I've had, I said this to hey, let's do this. And they say, no. And I'm like, okay. Um, okay. <laughs> and I, I yeah. think it's hard to figure out how, and, and it's a little bit in the context of like, well, who is it that's saying, you know, it's like, what the not the credentials and every at the end of the day it's like it's your horse and you know your horse best but i think it can be really tricky in those situations to to be able to vocalize what you think it would make sense and i think if you can back it up you know and obviously sometimes you do something and, you, and it wasn't the right decision and that's just part of training but but i think it can be like at least for me when when i picked up the canner and answered i didn't tell you the canner and i said yeah what is what he needs to do i thought oh shoot like she works with me so but it's stuff like that where i think like it can be really intimidating to say no this is what i think and like what i like about with lars is i ride with him i've ridden with him a lot is there's a dialogue and like today I had a lesson with him with one of my horses that another tricky horse that I own. Um, and I said, like in this situation, I said, okay, like, I don't know what to do. And we just sat there and we talked about it. And then he like called me out on something that I was doing that I wasn't even aware of. And, but it was in a very, there was, it was no, not critical. It was just basically like, 
problem solving and and I I love that environment to be in you know as a student as a trainer is like I love having that back and forth and I'm not a big talker when I ride but I like being able to ask a question and not feel like it's a stupid question and so so anyway I um I really felt that on the second day of the trainers conference I I was genuinely appreciative of Anne and I was thinking about reaching out there I don't know if she cared but I really I was really pleased with how comfortable she made me feel because she is quite intimidating and I thought she did a really nice job of working with me on the horse and she made me feel comfortable that I could have a dialogue with her um in a you know very formal public setting like that and I think that was a yeah, that was a tough, tough for the riders. It was really interesting for the spectators who, you know, theoretically at the FEI trainers conference, if somebody has FEI experience that are there. So it's a, it's an experienced audience and, you know, having four different instructors and four really different ways of looking at things was really interesting to watch. But like you said, that's really intimidating as a rider. So I thought you guys did a really, really good job about that. But like you said, you know, as a professional rider, but even just as an advocate for your own horse, it's really important to not lose what you know about your horse, right? I think that some right. people get intimidated in a clinic situation, like, oh, I shouldn't. Of course, everyone was incredibly respectful, but you know, it is important that if you feel something happening or you need, you know, like you said, it's important to kind of speak up and, and, and say right. something about your horse. But I, I've, obviously this was a cool setting and, and, and you all handled it beautifully. And it was really cool to watch and see, you know, like you said, we, we all have tendencies when we get nervous and, you know, to see all that stuff get worked through with these amazing instructors and amazing horses and riders was, was as a spectator, fantastic to watch. So we, we appreciate you, you guys coming out and getting to do that. <laughs> Thank sure. you. Well, Emily, you guys were just so fantastic, but how can our listeners find you online if they have any more questions for you? I'm guilty of being one of those people that has a website that I don't maintain that well, but I do have a website. I maintain a pretty strong presence on my Facebook page for my business, which is Emily Donaldson Dressage LLC. And then I also have um, an Instagram account under the same name. And um, I'm... I'm pretty good about getting back to people if they have questions, if they email me. My email is emilydonaldsondressage at gmail.com. So I'd be happy to talk with anyone about anything. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much and good luck for the rest of your Florida season. Thank you. Well, we have another writer, Megan Davis, who's going to come on next and she's going to talk to us about her experience also at the 2020 USDF Trainers Conference. Well, tonight we are so excited to have Megan Davis of Megan Davis Dressage. She's an international rider and competitor. Megan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, we're really happy to have you. And it was so fun to see you ride at this year's trainers conference. Can you tell us a little bit about your horse and a little bit about your experience? So I rode Leopold of Shakespeare. We call him Teddy. A little more reasonable. (laughs) Uh, He's a 12-year-old Oldberg gelding. And he's schooling third level, actually showing third level, schooling fourth level. Um, and his owner is Scott Durkin. Fantastic. And how long have you had this horse in training? This is my third winter with Teddy. So three years. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, tell us a little bit about your experience at the conference. My, um, so I loved riding there. I thought it was really interesting to have the trainers and the judges going at you from both sides and picking apart the riding 
And, you know, Gary was so much 15 meters is, you know, it's a 15 meter circle. You're not going to, you're not going to drift out onto that 16 meter line. And I was, I was on my marks. Cause I was like, if I even go a little bit bigger, Gary's going to have my hide. I know it for sure. And he was, <laughs> but you know, as a trainer, I do that to my students. So I'm glad somebody's out there doing it to me because we need that. If you don't, if you're not riding the correct size circle all the time, how are you going to know if it's a little bit big in the show ring? Exactly. Exactly. Oh, oh you've got a big fan in Reese here. She loves the uh, just, oh, I just love geometry. It. <laughs> I am a child. <laughs> so mean about it. <laughs> it's well, it's you don't want to give away points on something that every horse can do. It doesn't matter how fancy the horse is. Any horse can do a correct size circle. Yes. Exactly. And practice, you have to do perfect practice. And they talked about that. Like, don't do something 40 times wrong and then be like, oh, why didn't I get it right? (laughs) You know, it's like, perfect. So I I love that. What did Ashley, Ashley said, don't, don't practice something wrong because you'll get really good at being, at, at being wrong. (laughs) At being wrong. Yeah, exactly. Don't get really good at being, (laughs) or of doing something the wrong way. Yeah. I thought it was also very refreshing that Ashley was sort of like, you know, sometimes it may not be the prettiest thing to get your point across, but if you do it once and it's not so pretty, then you don't have to do it that harsh again the next time. Right. Yeah. That makes yeah. Total you have, sense. There has to be, you know, some way to correct the problems, whether it's, it's a rider problem or a horse problem, you know, Yeah. So, something needs to change that, if it's not going right. Right. Exactly. And I think she used the word physical. Sometimes you have to get physical. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes you have to make the a point. Are huge. Yeah. yeah, they're really big. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think we've all had the experience of being pulled around for for a bit. Yeah, and and you know they should be as honest to our hands as they are to our legs. I'm always saying that to my students. You're quick to say, "Hey, they're behind my leg," but are you quick to say they're not sensitive to the hand? Exactly. Exactly makes total sense. I love it. So, what are some other tips that you got from from your time in the clinic? Uh, well. The Ron Ver at the canner for the changes with Teddy from Lars was super. That was the first day. You know, doing the shoulder four to the change didn't, I didn't, personally, I didn't think worked as well as Lars's way. <laughs> and, uh, it just, it made him soft and supple. And then he accepted the new outside leg and boom, we have the change there. So well, it was. And this was cool, right? Because part of, part of the conference was they brought in some horses that had some issues, which was good. You know, it was fun as trainers. And most everyone that goes to that conference is a trainer or an FEI rider. And we run into problems like training horses. It's amazing to see some horses that are fantastic. You can do that here in Wellington and go to the horse show and see that. But to talk about like you were having some issues in the changes, right? This horse came with, with difficult changes, right? Yeah, he, it's taken us a good solid year to get him to where he is. And I'm not afraid to say that. I mean, you know, every horse is a little bit different. We had to develop the muscling. We had to develop the timing in order for him to even think about doing the change. And I mean, the first day, a couple times, he was just like, he made a grunt noise and didn't do anything when I asked him to change. It's true. And then Lars is like, you put him in this angle, he can't just grunt at you. He has to change because you're you're manipulating his body a little bit in in a way that positions him to do that change better. And, and explain it to him, right? Explain it to him a little better what you wanted. Yeah. It set him up in the position. Say, hey, listen, your shoulders have to go here. Your haunches are going to go over here. I'm going to make it a little bit easier by bringing your haunches to the new direction. So 
your hind legs don't have to cross cross as much ground. And then he was like, oh, okay, now I know what to do. I'll do it. Yeah, and it was cool. That's good. So I I think at this point, I mean, this is why we need to have certain things in place to be successful at the next level. So this is why uh, second level is all about shoulder in, Traver, you know, having that really well established because you, I think you really need those tools. I sort of call them the tools of alignment, right? You have to be in charge of the front end and and independent of the back end and, and and all that. And yes. And, and if you don't have that established, you can't use the tools when a horse has a problem at the next level. Exactly. Uh, You know, you can't uh, put their haunches where you want them or their shoulders or the rib cage, just a little bit more to the left. You can't you can't force a change to happen. You can only set them up and ask. That's right. That's right. And and uh, every, I you know in my experience in teaching changes, every horse needs a little bit different alignment so they can find out how to how to make that quick jump to the other lead, right? And so as as trainers, we need to be able to access all those alignments. And as you know, also as trainers, we need somebody on the ground to sort of we do our best at trying to feel what's going on or to watch in the mirror what's going on. But I think it's really, really hard because you can't see all things and and pay attention to all things at all moments that uh, eyes on the ground can help you just to say, you know what, he's throwing his hip into you at this moment or he's throwing his his shoulder into you at this moment and you need to try this out to, to, to make it work. And that's what I, that's what I thought was really cool because, uh, you know, they, uh, Ashley tried one approach, Lars tried a different approach. It's, it's not that, you know, one exact approach will, will work every time, but it's like being able to work through it a little bit and, and, uh, and try different things is, is really cool and, and get new ideas. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I thought that having the two trainers say, well, this is my approach to the changes and then Lars comes in after Ashley and he's like, I wouldn't do this at all. I'd do it this way. I thought that was so cool for people to see that, you know, there's, there's many roads to get to the same end point, if you will. And there's no wrong way to do it. Yeah, exactly. And and, and it, I thought, I actually thought that sort of moment of the conference and you were the first writer in. So, you know, that's always tough because, you know, we were all like, how are they going to work this? Uh, you well, know, I think they be, sort of felt the same way. Yeah, like, how are we going to do this? But I thought exactly. it was super cool. I thought that was actually my favorite moment was here you have two Olympic riders, very, very well-respected riders, different styles, completely different styles. Ashley worked you, with, with you, and then Lars came right back in and did it something different. And, I mean, both of them got a desired result, but it was just really cool to see that. And, and just as a, as a trainer and a rider, you know, sometimes always thinking like sometimes a different approach to a problem is important because it's easy to get hung up. Like we always do it this way. But again, we talked about that. Like you're doing it that way 40 times wrong. So you've got, you're clearly not getting the message through on what you need to do. So how do you change that up? And that was, that was just awesome to see. Yeah, and, and maybe the horse thinks differently, and we have to approach it in a different manner because he comprehends things differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You've got to you've got to access just different parts of the horse's body and and make you know maybe this this leg a little quicker and this this leg a little bit slower and and I think that's that's kind of cool you know to work with different coaches you know in these clinic clinic type situations just to just to keep it fresh and 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 keep different ideas in your head and and. Uh, and then you sort of kind of can add more tools to your toolbox of, of 
helping that horse, but also your next horse as they, as they come along and you have to, you have to teach them. You need a lot of different exercises and tools to, to make it all work because horses are so unique in how they learn and, and how you want to teach them and, and how, how you need a million different approaches. Yes, definitely. Well, and I think too, as trainers, you know, trainers, we don't always have the answers. You know, what's cool about having something like that, a conference and friends, it's you can literally call up a friend and be like, Hey, you know, <laughs> what, what are, what are some things that you would try with this? And I'm super lucky because I have Philip and, you know, down here, there's, there's people all over that are good friends of mine that I can say, Hey, have you had this problem or, or how do you solve that? And I did feel like this conference was very interesting that way you had, you know, Ann Gribbins is also, she's an international five-star judge and she's also a very established trainer, uh, you know, to have Ann and Ashley and Lars along with Gary, who's a five-star judge was really interesting. So if you, if anybody gets a chance to watch the symposium, I know they were videoing it. Um, it was really cool. And, and I would definitely recommend watching it. Yeah, I think it kind of like, they sort of spurred each other on a little bit. Like it was a little bit of a competition. And from my standpoint, I was like, I'm, I'm game for anything. Let's go. What do you got for me? Let's yeah, yeah. You you guys were great. The, the the demo riders were really, really on it. And that was really cool. And it was cool to see you guys work through that problem. I love it. Well, Megan, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show and get, showing your experience and being brave enough to go to the conference and, and show, you know, show a problem. We all, we always like to, you know, show everybody we're amazing and perfect, but it was really cool to see that. So if our listeners have any questions, how can they find you online? Uh, my website is MeganDavisDressage.com. I'm on Facebook, Megan Davis Dressage, Instagram. I'm just not on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, Megan. Thank you for having me. Right after this commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products, we're going to come back with Wendy Murdoch, and she's a fan favorite. We hope you enjoy. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Managing horses can be challenging. Each horse's personality affects the way he behaves and reacts to the world around him. Horses with certain dispositions can be at higher risk for developing health problems than others. High-strung or excitable horses are easily stressed, but so is the timid, quiet warrior. Stressed horses are more likely to develop digestive upsets that lead to colic, diarrhea, and ulcers. Nalox Advanced was specifically developed to support a digestive tract that is under stress. It sustains proper pH levels, reducing the incidence of ulcers and hindgut imbalances, while simultaneously supporting the healing of damaged tissues. Nalox Advanced supports the complete digestion of starches and sugars and sustains populations of beneficial bacteria. Make life a little easier on your sensitive horse and start him on Nalox Advanced today. To learn more about the ingredients in Nalox Advanced, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Well, tonight we are so excited to have Wendy Murdoch back. She is the Murdoch Method and the Surefoot Stability Pads. Welcome, Wendy. How are you? I'm great, thanks. It's good to be back. Oh, well, you were just down here with me, and we had quite a fun day, didn't we? 
Oh, it was a blast, actually. <laughs> we really did have a great day. You should have seen everybody was lined up and and listening to Wendy. It was so good. Even even my horse at one point was like, "This is awesome. I like chatting with Wendy." Oh yeah, the horses love my lessons because it's a lot about the riders, so they get to stand around and listen, you know, and hang out with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They think it's great. <laughs> That's like Big Mike's like dream day. He, That's his he thought it was in life is to stand around and look pretty. Yeah, yeah he's like, that, I look you know, pretty. socialized. <laughs> I, I love it. Well, Wendy, t- tell everybody a little bit about your visit here to us in Florida. Okay. So, so I was at the AAP meeting in Denver, Colorado, and I met Dr. Engel. And he asked me to come to Wellington to do a demo for him and his, his group about Surefoot. So you had said you were down there. And so I just kind of made arrangements with a couple of people that I knew and flew down. And so we played on Saturday. I think it was there for like four days. I saw Dr. Ingle Friday night. I did a demo with the horses. They loved it. They got it. It was so nice. And then I came and visited you and we got to play with more riding stuff. We put Big Mike on the pads um, so you could feel what it was like under saddle. But then we got to to play with the Franklin balls with you. And that was really, really fun. It was so fun. Yes. Yeah. So that was really cool. Cause big Mike had never been on the pads. He, he, he's on the pads at home on the ground, but I'd never ridden him on the pad. So that was super cool. And yeah. then we did a complete biomechanics lesson with me. And uh, now I have a whole, a whole bag of tricks, literally. So Wendy, <laughs> tell us a little bit about the Franklin balls and what, what you what you did with me. So, uh, <laughs> um, so, what I do with riders is I help them feel things because most riding lessons are taught either visually, you watch somebody do something, or verbally. And riding is so much about feel. So when I teach a riding lesson, I stick my hands on the rider. And I always ask, ask permission because some people are a little funny about it, right? And if that's the case, I have other ways I can approach it. But basically, you know, I want to feel what you think you're doing because once I know what it feels like, then I can tell you where you need to go. In other words, it's so hard to know our own body. It's so hard to know what we're really doing. And especially when it comes to our back and our hips, because it's just not a place we have a lot of awareness typically. Like we've got a lot of awareness about our fingers and our eyes and our ears and our lips and our feet, because there's so much more area in the brain that's mapped out in those places. But when we get to the thighs and the back and the and the pelvic area, there's a lot less mapping. So that's the most important part of our body for riding our pelvis and our thighs and our midsection, but it's where we have the least amount of map. So what I do is I put my hands on the rider. I put one hand on their back and one hand on their tummy. And if they're, if they're squeamish, I just put their hands on first and put my hands on top, but you weren't squeamish at all. And then I just have you take a breath and I feel what's going on. And in so many riders, when they're breathing, they're actually tensing the lower back and, and tightening it. So instead of it expanding the way we want the horse's loins to expand, they're actually shortening it. And that's what happens when the horse goes on the forehand. So I usually tell my riders to slump and they all think I'm crazy because, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right? Because right? mm-hmm. when you slump, it lets the lower back soften and the ribs change shape. And they, the two sets of free ribs that are at the bottom of the rib cage, they're not attached to the sternum. And they get to expand back so that when you breathe, those ribs that get to expand and you can feel that in the lower back. And and then uh, I just get you to fold over a little bit to put the rib cage over the pelvis. But it's not about it's not slumping, but everybody tells me it feels like slumping because we're so used to the idea of sitting up straight, which actually is hinging the rib cage back a little bit and hollowing. So 
once it gets in that position and you feel it and I push on you and I move the horse instead of you, you remember that part? Yes, like when exactly. I push on your back and I move the horse, then I know I've got you in a really solid place, but it's not tense, even though it feels wrong is what a lot of people tell me at first. But you know, that's the place you want to be is when I push on your back, I move the horse instead of you, because then all your aids are going to go through to the horse. Right. And then, yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so then the next piece that's important is understanding where your hips are and what needs to happen. And this is where the Franklin balls are so handy, right? Because very, yeah, when you sit and there's seven different kinds of different, there are different sizes and different textures. And there's two that are like I call them peanuts because it's a single piece as opposed to two individual balls. But basically when the rider sits on the balls on the saddle, it's kind of like sure foot for your butt because now you're on an unstable surface. And so you can't just lock into your habit to the saddle the way you would normally. And so it lifts you up enough and it opens the hip angle between the torso and the thigh and lengthens the thigh down brings the lower leg back. And it's like, I mean, in so many cases, it's like magic because it puts the rider in this beautiful alignment. And, um, and I think that's probably what you felt is, is it just, it just does it right. You don't have to work at it. Yeah. It's kind of a funny feeling at first. You kind of have to just like take a deep breath (laughs) and just kind of like, yeah, wow, this feels weird and sort of own it a little bit. Like you said, like they're there to like sure for, for your butt to make you pay attention to where your body's supposed to be. So you get that feeling. Right. And it's unstable. Like the balls, if you're put more weight on one seat bone, the balls are going to move a little bit and your brain reports that and goes, wait a second, this feels like really, you know, some people at first, it feels awful. Some people at first, you know, uh, you know, love it right away. And so if, if it doesn't feel good, just take them out and give yourself a rest and then pop them back in again and sit on them again, just to give yourself a, like a, a chance to kind of, process that piece of information but basically because you're no longer in the saddle you're on the balls you you have to find better balance you can't rely on the saddle to help you as much right so yeah and so it really gets your attention and that's kind of why I love them and so the first question I typically ask people when they're sitting on them is does it does the weight feel equal and a lot of people go, no, you know, one's heavier than the other, or one feels sharper, or one, you know, feels like it's moving around. That's another typical comment, which means you're not sitting square in the saddle. Mm-hmm. But you don't notice that because it's kind of like, you know, it's like a pair of shoes that you've had for a while. It, you, you, after wearing for a few months, that you're going to wear them into your pattern, and that's going to feel normal, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, you get a new pair of shoes, and you're like, oh, these are all wrong, <laughs> Yeah, well, no, it's true. Yeah, so the balls are kind of like, you know, getting a new saddle where you have to like go, wait a second, you know, maybe the, maybe me and the saddle have kind of gotten into a pattern, into a habit, and suddenly you can't go there when you're sitting on the balls because, you know, you're going to, you feel unstable. So now the nervous system really pays attention. It's like, whoa, you know, what's going on here? And, and you know, I can still push on your back and you're totally solid. It doesn't feel that way to you, though, you know? I mean, because I did. I pushed on your back when you were on the balls, and you were totally solid. No, it's so true. And once you feel that, you know, again, you you know, I rode around for a while, 
Uh, and then you said, okay, let's take him out. And then when you take him out, your body know, like you understand, cause you can say, you know, you said, okay, feel like you're, you're tucking yourself under, like you had the balls underneath you. And I did. And then it, it really, really helped. So it makes total sense. Yeah. And, and the, you know, the weirdest thing about them actually that I, I find fascinating is that, you know, after you've ridden on them for five or 10 minutes, you know, if they start to get uncomfortable, obviously you take them out. But, you know, after you ride on them for a few minutes and, and then you take them out, everybody says, my saddle feels so much deeper, right? And yes. it's this really weird thing that, you know, you've been sitting on something that's a round ball. And so I don't, it's like this inverse thing. You take them out and you feel like you're sitting in kind of a hollow. But I think it's because the muscles have all relaxed. It's like you're, you know, all the muscles around your pelvis and your buttocks and your upper thigh have softened because you found balance. And then when you sit down, you just feel so much deeper when you take the balls out. It's really a fascinating kind of experience. Yeah, it, it really is. So Wendy, and this is even more for, for a question for me, because I ended up ordering a set from you. Uh, so I have all these cool tools. Can you tell everybody, I mean, <laughs> there's there's lots of sizes and, and there's different shapes. Like, how does that work? So, you know, everybody's a little bit different and that's why there's different balls. There's that I, I have funny names for them. So the, the larger soft orange ones I call oranges. And so if I have someone that's a, sort of a larger person, I'll use those because it'll lift you up a little bit more. Um, if I have a smaller person, there's a small smooth ball. I call it tomatoes because they're red. And then there's uh, a sort of an in-between green textured ball. And some people really like the texture as opposed to the smooth surface. And then there's a smaller textured. So there's different sizes. And like if in some cases, if you're on the larger ball, you might feel yourself kind of hitting the front of the saddle. And so clearly those are too big and you need something smaller. And you can use them in a Western saddle, English saddle, you know, a trail saddle. So that that doesn't really doesn't it's not dependent on the saddle itself. And then there's these um, really soft, they're like, I call them like tennis, purple tennis balls. They're soft plush balls and they're super soft. So if you've got a really sensitive seat bones, you know, that, mm -hmm. that tend to get tender, those are nice. But you can also take them and like, I'll put them under people's elbows so they have to keep their elbows by yeah. their sides. Yeah, that's you know, what so I've been, that's what we've been doing with them. Yeah, you that's know, super everyone. handy. Mm -hmm. And if somebody's really grippy, I'll put that just, uh, you know, between the knee and the saddle. Um, I find people aren't as grippy as they used to be, which is good. But if somebody's really grippy, you can put it there. And then, you know, it's kind of like, oh, the other two is air filled. I call it a peanut, blue peanut, um, because it's it's one piece, but it kind of has a peanut shape. Yeah. And that's air filled. And then there's another one that's water filled. that's purple. So the purple peanut one, I've used that with people that have had really severe injuries. Like one of my clients had a horse squisher, sat on her, broke her hip. And when she would get on the, on the saddle, she just couldn't let her legs spread to sit down. So she, so she would put that between her thigh and the saddle for like five minutes as she was just walking around. And then when she popped it out, she'd slid, slide right into the saddle. So that really helped her in her recovery. And then the, the blue peanut, some people don't like dealing with two balls. So that's handy to just have the one. Uh -huh. That makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it sounds like there's a lot going on here about teaching people correct pelvic tilt. Yeah. Would you would you say that that's that's true, and just how it relates to how you should sit and how you know the the neutral position of the pelvis, and also like the driving position of the pelvis and the 
and the and the you know and the half halt and and all all how that all pieces can I mean you sort of began this discussion with that but I just thought of returning to that a little bit and and one of the biggest things that you you were saying about people that need to learn a little bit to slump in the saddle and and I wish that I, well I mean it's tough because you have to sit tall but not so tall that you're you're causing the incorrect or forward pelvic tilt what do you what do you think about that oh i totally uh, agree and you know this is where when when you look at different body types like if you tell a man to sit up he's so much deeper typically from front to back that when he sits up it doesn't really affect his back but if you have a really lanky woman who's a little loose in her ligaments and you tell her to sit up she like hinges and she can it's you know basically goes into extension which is going to put the horse on the forehand and then you get that forward tilt of the pelvis and your seat bones are pointing back i think so, that might be uh, an anatomy problem male versus female mm, I, it's, there's also a <laughs> i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you wendy when if if i'm sitting with a forward pelvic tilt yeah you're in trouble <laughs> that's not comfy at all yeah, not comfy no I'm not, no i'm not gonna be doing that for very long <laughs> exactly you know and we could get into a whole discussion about seat size appropriate to a person that has a lot to do with thigh length. But that's the other thing with the balls is they're going to lift you up a little bit. So if you're kind of wondering if you if you have the right size saddle and you sit on the Franklin balls, and yes, you find that neutral pelvis because the that you've got to sit with your seat bones pointing straight down to be on the balls. If you if you go into a posterior tilt and whether it's your seat bones are pointing forward, the balls are going to slip out from underneath you. And the same if you go into an anterior tilt. So they, they teach you really quite quickly to sit in the middle, but they also help if, if there's, you know, if there's a bit of a saddle issue with it being a little bit too small, you can feel what it's like to have when you, when you're lifted up to have that hip open and that seat freer. And so sometimes when like in Western saddles, I find the twist, the, uh, it tends to be awfully broad for women, and so they have to go into a chair seat. And when I put the balls underneath their butt, it raises them up and it opens the hip, and the leg drops into a beautiful position. So it can also okay. be handy to kind of so help, yeah. yeah, sort out some saddle problems. But yeah. you're right. You know, we we really are looking at feeling the correct alignment as opposed to trying to put ourselves in the correct alignment. And I think so often we we try too hard and do too much. And so we create tension instead of alignment, good alignment. Wow. That's so cool. I mean, there's just so much to this that, and that's what we really talked about was, you know, you were just here for, I really what you know, my lesson and, and all my students were like, oh my gosh, really anybody can work on this, uh, the biomechanics of, of your seat. And, you know, having you here now, I have a distinct feel of what it's supposed to feel like. And when I don't feel that, you know, I'm like, oh, this is really bad. So <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm not sure Wendy told me to sit. <laughs> <laughs> but the so, other thing we did, which was which was one of my favorite lessons, is we did the board under your foot. Do you remember that? Yes. Oh, yeah. Board. Board in the, this was crazy. This yeah. was not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so it's a Feldenkrais. It's I adapted it from a Feldenkrais lesson, Feldenkrais world. It's called the artificial floor. And typically a person would be laying on a Feldenkrais table when they when they do the board of the foot. But I love to do it with the rider in the saddle because you're, you're weight bearing on your pelvis, on your seat bones. And so your leg is hanging. And again, riders try to put their leg in the right position, but create tension in the process. And so I, ha I have this little board and, and when I get done, everybody always asks me, 
what's special about the board. And I tell him I go to Disney World because that's right there in Florida. And I have mm-hmm. the fairies put fairy dust in it. <laughs> Magic it's dust. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, because you're not using a lot of pressure. I just meet the foot and then very slowly release. And our and our foot wants to meet the ground. So the leg starts to lengthen and the muscles decontract because the 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 proprioception, you know, the person's leg literally follows the board down. And when I put their foot back in the stirrup, they're like, you know, their leg, it feels longer. It's more relaxed. One of the most common co- comments I get is my leg is more stable, even though it feels softer. Right. Yeah. And so that's the, the crazy thing is that, you know, people go, wow, my, my leg is so solid. It's, and they, they can't figure out how I've done it, but I've basically used their own brain. No. Yeah, <laughs> it's really cool. I know I said the same thing. I said the same thing. It was yeah. it was awesome. So it was just you can see we had a really good time when Wendy was was down here hanging out with us. It was so great. It was too short. It was it was too really short. short. So Wendy, can you tell everybody if they want to find more information about about you and all your your amazing products and and methods? How can they find you online? So I'm at MurdochMethod.com, my website, and I have a shop there, and they can find the Franklin balls. I've got lots of articles there and my books. I've written three books and the artificial floor, sadly, is only in the jumping book. Um, but most of the lessons in the jumping book apply to on the flat because you've got to be in a good alignment for jumping. And then, and then you just fold forward at the hip. So there's the, the board under the foot lesson is in the 40 fixes, 40 jumping fixes. But, you know, like I said, there's lots of articles and I have a Facebook page, Murdoch Method, and we post uh, Murdoch Minutes on Mondays typically. And uh, yeah, so there's lots of information. And my YouTube channel is also Murdoch Method. And I've got a video up there about the Franklin balls. Sure. And I'm, I think I have, I have, you know, I forget what I have up there because I keep adding <laughs> content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, Wendy, thanks so much. And we can't wait to have you on next month. Yeah, it's great. I always enjoy being on your show. And I'm going to post that picture that we took down in uh, Florida. I haven't posted yeah. it yet. So I'll put it Absolutely. On Absolutely. We'll make sure it gets on the on it as well on the show. Okay. Great. Great. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks. Take care. Well, Phil, we pulled out. Justin was so awesome from Total Saddle Fit. As always, we really honestly love the products and use them. And I wanted to try the Slim Stability Stirrups. And wow. um, I'm really excited. They came in and put them on the saddle today. And I also really like they're a little bit different in the in the fitting than the original stability stirrup leathers, but we're really, they have the buckle on the bottom and I'm, I'm very bad at describing things like that, but the buckle is on the bottom. So it's a little bit different feel, uh, than the original. I think it's a little bit preference on how you like to change your stirrups. Yeah. I think those are harder to, to change, but if you don't really need to adjust your stirrups a whole lot, it's great because, um, the buckle does not sit under your legs. So it's even, that's why I think that's why these are, are called the slim version because they're even flatter against the saddle. Mm-hmm. You have no buckle underneath your thigh, but like, like I said, there you have to you have to change the stirrup leather length in a little bit different way. Right, um, right. And you and I, I are. Think, I mean, if, cool. if you don't mind that, I mean, it's it's easy yeah. to do as well. It's not like it's more you know complicated, but just less than traditional. I think I would say so. Right, and you and I have to tend to be fairly traditional in 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 our tack, so it is a little bit different. So. It just really depends on which one you like. Um, but as always, Justin's awesome. And I'm glad he he was very, very great about having us try things. 
Um, and so it, it, look on the website, but these tarps also, uh, Karen wrote in them today and she loved them. So we've been passing them around between the saddles just so people can feel the difference. And she was like, wow, these really do stabilize your leg. I was like, I, I know actually they're, we really, talk really about it every week. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we love it. So if you have any questions, check out totalsaddlefit.com and they will answer any of your questions. And just the stirrup leathers are just one of their amazing products. So we hope you take a look at that. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. we have uh we're gonna do the total saddle fit tip of the week aren't we we haven't done one in a little while and we like to get in there sometimes but phil what's our total saddle fit tip of the week from the trainers conference well i was just trying to to pick kind of one thing that that we can bring from from the trainers conference i mean that we we we, you know, got a whole bunch of tips. You wrote down so much during. Oh, I have so much. I wrote. What's Reese writing down now? What's Reese writing down now? I wrote so, it in my so journal. Maybe, maybe I, you I can pick one because you've got them all maybe hopefully right in front of you. Yes, I do. Well, so, so as always, we always talk about the writing journal and I, um, well, we have the writing journal from Ruth Hogan Paulson that I have, it, it's literally on my kitchen counter. So when I come in, I will write down tips or, or things that we learned. And so I took it to the clinic. So we really, I'm also really using these, these tools that we talked to you guys about, but one of the tips that, one of the things that they talked about extensively and Phil and I actually chatted with some friends about it too, is just warm up right? And, and how you warm up the horses in an effective warm up. And my kind of point with the whole warm up is I think it takes a while to find, especially if you have a tricky horse, to find the right way to warm that horse up in the right order of things. Wouldn't you say, Phil? Yeah. I, and, and again, you know, a lot of the coaches talk about, you know, what's the ideal warm up, you know, how, how to do the horse. But I mean, I think also was what's the right what's the ideal appropriate warm-up for a horse for his level and just each horse has a little bit of an individual way of going or the the best way to prep them for the the work that you want to do and and that can change uh, from horse to horse and that can change on the same horse depending on depending on you know what level you're riding and also sort of how warm or cold how much energy your horse has for the day so part of the discussion was evaluating the horse that you have on that day during your warm-up that, that can be difficult that can that that can take yes. a whole discussion and lesson yeah. right there right i mean i think we're constantly doing that you know especially with my own horse my big horse you know sometimes he's a little bit stiffer sometimes he's a little bit looser and to figure out the the actual stages of warm-up is is really critical for that particular horse well my other horse is not as complicated you know, the one I really have to, you know, do I leg yield? Do I, that particular horse, he's not one that I can stretch right away. Just doesn't work with him. Well, my other horse, he needs to stretch and and I can't really do anything until I can get him to stretch in the bridle. So I think it is a really individual uh, task and, and really, but at the end of the day, you're trying to, to get the horse in the right frame and mindset for whatever task you're going to do that day. So if you're going to ride a pre-St. George, you know, how do you get that horse ready to ride a pre-St. George? So I thought that, that was quite, quite interesting. And, and it really was, it was a theme and they would talk about it pretty much on every horse, like which is the right warm up and what, what is not. 
I think the takeaway is, is every horse is different and there's no real coined, coined one. Wouldn't you say, Phil? Yeah. I mean, but there are also some universal things that you should do. Like you should do straight lines and curved lines. Mm-hmm. You should do pretty much the exact same thing on the left as you do the right. Yep. That also can help your evaluation on the right side versus, you know, of the left. And and you should do full transitions and transitions within the gate. So, you know, it, now some horses you can do the the trot warm-up first or a lot of horses you want to do the canter warm-up before doing a ton of trot. Um, so, that, you know, different things to think about, but... Uh, you know, you can't evaluate the horse if you only do straight lines because you don't know how, you know, how they're bending on that day. And you can't evaluate how your balance is if you don't adjust the strides, a, you know, a little bit. So interesting discussions. I mean, if anybody has any questions they want to ask us about about warm-ups, I think we we had a lot of talk about it already. So we hope that maybe we can we can bring this to our listeners. Yeah, we love it. And as always, you please feel free to always email or give us a Facebook shout out. And we always love it. So we hope that kind of gets your, your mind flowing with warmups for sure. Well, as always, the United States Dressage Federation is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org for more information. That's www.usdf.org, the online destination for dressage. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is on Facebook, or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a show, and don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week. 